Greetings, friends. Welcome back to another very special episode of the Film Alchemist podcast. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, here for a brief little bit of business before we start tonight's very special episode. Guys, it's official. We're on Patreon, patreon.com slash filmalchemist. Uh, you can also find links to uh, our Patreon account on all of our social media sites. Guys, it's a great way for you to not only help the show, but for us to give you the show exactly that you want and deserve. For as little as a dollar a month, you can join us on Discord and some Zoom calls. For a little bit more, you can begin to get curated episodes that you specifically choose. Um, the community we have so far has been amazing, and we can't thank you guys enough for your support. And for those of you who haven't joined us, we would ask that you give us a chance to earn those dollars. We think that you're going to have a great time. So again, that's Film Alchemist on Patreon. Guys, please be sure to leave us a rating and review wherever you find the show, especially if that to be Apple Podcast app. Five stars. Couple of sentences. Tell us why you like the show. Helps us defeat the algorithmic overlords and continue to ascend to the mountaintop. Well, that sounds more dramatic, but it is very nice every time we get one. Uh, thank you for those of you who've been doing that. You can find us on YouTube. Our channel is Film Alchemist. Make sure to subscribe. You can find video versions of most of these podcasts, along with some other really cool stuff we're working on over there. So get on over to YouTube. You can find us on all the socials you're on. Uh, we're there, too. You can email the show, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. These are great ways to get in touch with us. Let us know the kind of movies you want us to be talking about, uh, be they new, old, double feature guests uh, for a month, theme for an entire month, whatever. We want to hear your voices. Uh, we just love getting a hold of you guys. So again, socials, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. All right, that's enough business. Let's get to uh, wetting the ear beaks, whatever. I don't know if that's a medical thing, but it sounds cool. All right, we are here today to discuss Nighthawks. Uh, it's way, I don't know why this movie's called Nighthawks. I forgot to ask about that, but ponder amongst yourselves. We're joined today, or I am, Alex isn't on this one, sadly, uh, scheduling stuff. I am joined today by a new but very dear friend of mine, Blake Salisbury. I met Blake uh, through the junk food cinema community. The junk food cinema uh, is obviously, <laughs> the junk food cinema is obviously uh, hosted and the community run by one half of junk food cinema, Brian Salisbury, who I've known since college. Just an absolutely amazing guy. So through uh, the year of pandemic and getting on Zooms and this and that, I became a part of the junk food cinema community. And it is one of the truly best communities I've ever been a part of online. Everyone over there is so lovely. It's just, it's a really great group of people. And one of my absolute favorites among them was getting to know Blake Salisbury, who will be joining me today as the guest host. He's one half with his brother, Brian, of the replay per view wrestling podcast so uh they do awesome they go back and do all of the uh wrestling pay-per-view starting at the year 2000 i believe they're doing some grab bag stuff it's a really fun podcast blake also in conjunction with junk food cinema runs uh their twitch gaming junk food arcade uh it's really fun uh i enjoyed very much watching him play the true lies video game blake is just an awesome guy he's so earnest and fun and he makes me laugh so hard right I, I love spending my time with Blake although we haven't been friends for a long time it feels like we have he's just that guy the moment you start talking with him your heart uh, is at ease your mind begins to expand he's a much more clever man than he gives himself credit for but uh, I absolutely love uh, Blake 
in it. It was my great honor to have him on today's show. And what a great pick, Nighthawk. So please go support Blake uh, on the Replay Per View podcast. Go support Junk Food Arcade on Twitch. That's Junk Food Cinema, I think's the channel. And make sure you guys are listening to Junk Food Cinema and helping out over there. They are great guys and a great podcast. Uh, I hope you love this episode as much as I did. Welcome to the pod, uh, my dear friend, Blake Salisbury, man. How you doing? Doing well, doing well. Thank you for having me on. I am so excited to dive into uh, what we're going to talk about today. But yes, we are here. It is now. <laughs> of course, man. I'm so excited to have you. Would you like to give the listeners a brief uh, introduction to yourself and uh, where they can find your stuff? I am Blake. I uh, represent Junk Food Cinema in the Junk Food Cinema <laughs> universe. You can find me on uh, twitch.tv slash junkfoodcinema on Thursdays, 8 p.m. Central Time. We play video games based on movies that are sponsored by the episodes of Junk Food Cinema. Sometimes we just play movie-based movies. Um, so it's our movie-based games, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> but, dude, it is it is a great time. So uh, check us out, patreon.com slash junkfoodcinema. Yes, and, uh, and not only Junk Food Cinema, one of my favorite podcasts, one of my favorite people, Brian Salisbury, your brother, Yes. But you guys also host Reap Play Per View. Yes, we do. A wrestling a... podcast, which I love because my son's into wrestling now. <laughs> yeah, we dive in. It's uh, it's the side podcast, and it's it's a lot of fun. We dive into to wrestling right now. We were uh, doing a, a grab bag of random DVD assortments that, of dude. wrestling, and <laughs> it's been a huge, huge uh, undertaking. But it's been so much fun. So, well, they... you guys are amazing at it. Uh, thanks for making the time. All right. So uh, we talked, and I wanted to get you on the show because I love you dearly. You brought an absolute banger, and you did my favorite thing, which is uh, when a guest brings me a movie and I go, when, oh, when would we have gotten to this movie if not for this person? <laughs> and this one's one of those. I'm like, it might have been years. And you you brought it to us. So would you like to introduce what we're watching tonight and uh, why you picked it? We are watching Nighthawks. Uh, which is from 1981, um, I believe. Yeah, 1981, and it stars Sylvester Stallone, Billy D. Williams, Rutger Hauer. Uh, it's it is a star-studded lineup of uh, of individuals there, and uh, it's just a lot of fun. How I found this movie is actually kind of interesting. Um, I grew up on a street with a um, a friend of mine who went to the same elementary school, so I knew her mom. So I was actually Facebook friends with her, and she was just randomly posting pictures from her past. And one of the pictures that she posted was uh i was in london and this is a picture of me and stallone uh and he's shooting a movie there and i was like what the fuck i was like stallone, <laughs> stallone has a beard right and he yeah. looks exactly like he does in this movie it's 1980 1979 <laughs> when they're filming the movie and i was like shooting in london i was like when did sylvester stallone do that so it kind of piqued my interest uh yeah. and then brian's like dude that's from nighthawks so I, that's how I found this movie is I was just like, what the fuck is this? Like the, the look of Stallone alone is epic. And I love that. Yes. This one is hilarious to me because it has Rutger Hauer, who's one of the great kind of character actor, bad guy actors, right? Yep. Doing a lovely kind of perverse character. You got Billy D. Williams, who's just amazing, but he's not his normal kind of smooth self. And I, what I really like, I think this is one of Stallone's better roles and it gets overlooked all the time. Because this is the glimpse into the future if he hadn't just forced Rocky into existence. And he just kind of became this character actor guy. 
and there's there's a lot of extra stuff he does in this one that I just I could not get enough of. I found fascinating. I mean, simply from the opening scene, right? Because it starts off with kind of this gritty city, right? You know, that little New York that, City, that, that, yeah. dangerous eighties. Like you're yeah. gonna get stabbed anywhere you walk, right? Like exactly. just that 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 freaking like I would love to go to New York City back in the 80s but I may not survive because yeah I was gonna say uh, I don't know if that's what I would pick maybe if I had like one of those hazmat like bubble boy suits <laughs> but it just starts off so grimy but then this is this this opening is kind of the perfect encapsulation of why this movie kicks ass it's because it starts off and there's this lady who looks like Brian Erlacher trying not to like lose her bowels kind of shuffling through the streets you're like what the fuck is happening and as the camera gets closer, like, what's wrong with her? <laughs> and that, you know, all of a sudden these muggers emerge, right? Give me your shot. And when Stallone reveal, like, unveils the mask after he whoops that guy with the purse, and he's just like, come on, I'm hot for you. I was like, <laughs> yeah, this movie's an A+. Like, whatever happens after that. That is simply the start, right? And I yeah, find it within like the first two minutes. <laughs> I find it ironic too that when Stallone is is in this getup, he looks more like Stallone does today with like the exaggerated like features <laughs> of the face, like the fucking Botox look, egg face. Yes, yeah, so like it's basically ironic to me that he's himself later on in the future, but then he un you know he reveals yes. it's the Stallone that we know of the cinema age of the eighties, right? Oh, uh, it's so fuck. Well, also it just struck me immediately. I was like, it. it because it, it tells you a lot, right? That this is grimy city and these guys just like, this is not a glamorous police job, right? A lot of these movies play the duo buddy cops is like, oh, these are saviors of the city. This just feels like guys cosplaying like angry cops, like getting to beat people up. Like, you know, a Clint Eastwood from his porch, no good hoodlums kind of thing. Yeah. But what immediately struck me, I was like, you have the king of suave as your partner. Why is Billy D. Williams not the one in the dress? Right. Well, yeah, like, why, why is it, he not the one kind of silking along and, you know, drawing all the WAP and then, well, whatever dude WAP is. And then Stallone's the one coming out of the alley dropping hammer fist, right? I think that's a style of music, a do WAP. <laughs> <laughs> that was their buddy cop name, the do WAP. Yes, do yeah. <laughs> Nighthawks 2, do WAP. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you got, I mean, you had Billy D. Williams in the back just kind of watching, right, as this thing under, uh, you know, goes down and he just like comes out. And it's just like, what? Why in the fuck? Yeah, exactly. Why wouldn't Billy D. Williams be the one in that spot? Very. I'm just saying that motherfucker would draw because that's the old, you know, you got a honeypot him in, right? He would draw so many more muggers if I guess that is the goal. But it's just, and, and then it just it cuts to this kind of chase. Like I'm hot for you, and there's Stallone just like, come on, tough guy, and he's doing all this though while wearing like those fucking varicose vein socks and like old lady Reeboks, <laughs> and I was just like, this movie's fucking great, and that is what this movie becomes is this never ending series of. This looks like the traditional cop movie of that time, right? Your French connections and Dirty Harry's, all that kind of stuff. But there's this extra level of insanity to where you never all, you're not sitting there having to buy into the dramatic stakes. You're just sitting there like, what the fuck is this movie going to show me next? And it's delightful. Yeah, it's super dark and gritty. I mean, that is yeah. the, the best way to describe it. There exists a darker and grittier cut of this. Because I think this movie is only like an hour and 48 minutes. But yeah, it actually, it's pretty tight. <laughs> there is a two hour and 30 minute cut oh, somewhere no. that's never been released. And that would there's be There's a Snyder epic. cut of this too. <laughs> yeah, there's a Snyder cut, yeah. It'll be four hours long with yeah. needless scenes. It's great. It's just a lot of Stallone shaving his legs and crying. <laughs> yeah, as he's getting ready for the, 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 the grandma impersonation. He's like, I gotta, I gotta shave my legs. I gotta get ready for this, this act. 
He's over there, like, sitting in front of the stove and then running to the fridge so he can practice menopause. He's just like, ah! I take this like a, job really serious. It's like a furnace in here. Yeah, it's it's so fucking funny, man. Because I, I love, because what it is, it's, it's a tale of these two men, right? On this, it's strangers on a train, right? Like, they're going to collide on this force. The funny thing that struck me in this, right? You got Rutger Hauer, who's just like, terrorism, but first I'm going to shoot my shots, right? That's kind of Rutger Hauer's thing. He's right. like in the crosswalk about to go in and blow this store up. But he's like, oh, let me bump into this lady, see if I can get some. And then some the action. perfume lady. Yeah, he's like, maybe I'll smell you up, see if you want to go home and save yourself. But it's it's so nonchalant, right, that it becomes this really weird tale of I kept thinking this, right, because it's it's a weird movie for this time of age. Right. Yeah. Where it's cops that are holding back from violence. They're, good, they're the good cops, right? Like, yeah. that's what I love most about it is that, like, Stallone and B- Billy D. Williams are, like, the good cops against evil, yes. right? That whole yeah. that whole idea of, like, no, there's good cops out there that just want justice, right? And they're trying to bring that. But then we're going to start really to see it's like, well, when does that part of that end? And when do you actually have to start taking risks, right? And that's that's yeah. a definitely big plot point in this movie. Yeah, well, it's, it's so strange because I feel like especially it's peers of this time – and maybe that's why it kind of slipped through the cracks as much as it did is all of them then were playing on this fantasy of I'm just going to run around and shoot hoodlums. Yeah. Right. Like I am above the law. Right. That's what the cop movies were. Of this I time. am the law. Yeah. Right. It's funny because <laughs> Stallone would then go on to be the law. He's a cop but, in a lot of movies. Like I watched Cobra after this and that yeah. is completely different in the way it's presented. Right. Yeah. And then he became like the fat Midwestern cop in Copland. <laughs> he's, in like a, he's a lot of different cops. Right. He, like every cop, you know, can find in Stallone to represent them. You can but, tell he actually spent the time for this one because this was a pretty passionate thing. I mean, he actually stepped in and helped shoot some of the scenes in between the first director that, really? that left the project. Yeah. So there was a day or two in London where that director, I guess, left and there was a the spot for, for Stallone to get involved. And that's he was kind of a big part of this movie behind the scenes. And this is Rutger Hauer's first film, right? This is his launch, his first uh, U.S. film. This is like yeah. launched his career in Hollywood, right? So yeah. there was a lot of uh, animosity, I think, between Stallone making decisions and uh, Rutger Hauer, but it just adds that much more complexity in, in that relationship on screen. It's great. It really drives that home and that that animosity. <laughs> that's, so, that's so fucking funny. I didn't know about this. It does seem like if there were two actors that would absolutely hate each other, it would be Rutger Hauer and Sylvester Stallone. Oh, like, it that, happened. That it happened the first me. day. The first day of shooting, they, yeah. they filmed the end scene with with Hauer, and they pulled him back with a cable, and Stallone was like, you need to pull that shit back as hard as possible, and it injured his back. And Rutger Hauer was like, what the fuck, right? Yeah. And so that basically started the, the whole animosity, and that was at the first scene. So this entire movie, they're arguing, but, you know, I guess – Nowadays, they're probably just like they chalk it up to just, you know, oh, we were in a movie and, you know, directing and egos and whatnot. But I think it I think it really worked. You really saw that tension on screen. Oh, yeah. Well, also, there's this beautiful thing that Howard does throughout as Wolfgar, right? Yes. Where he he looks at Stallone's character as a less than. Right. And that really does work. It plays. But see, this there's always that great story from the movie Marathon Man. I don't know if you've seen that. I haven't seen that yet. It's like Nazis and dentists and jogging. Right. That's kind of the gist of the movie. It's really good, actually. That's, that right that kind of takes it down. But yeah, that's kind of <laughs> what it is. But there is this thing that they would do. I, I care who the older actor was, right? If it was Lawrence Olivier or something. And he'd be on set, right? And Dustin Hoffman would be like running cr- like a crazy man, right? Trying to sweat and get into character, right? Method. And I, think, I can't remember if it was 
Lawrence Olivier, whoever the older actor was, would just go, Dustin, my boy, it's called acting. Right? And he'd just, like, have his coffee. <laughs> like, chill out, dude. And I can imagine Stallone as this, like, meathead, like, you gotta go. You gotta go. Right? And Rutger Hauer's like, like, what cinema. the fuck? Yeah, cinema, cinema. Cinema. And he's like, what about movie magic? You know, now I'm just in traction. No, I think it... I think it works, though, because you do get the two edges. This is something I want to run by you. The funniest thing of this movie to me is watching these two men kind of build their legends. And then you just have to ask yourself, like, what are these two guys fighting for? Right. Because this is the thing about the gritty, shitty New York is like because this is what struck me. Does Stallone honestly think he's making this city a better place? And Rutger Howard, does he honestly believe any of this bullshit he's slinging? Yeah, and it I mean, feels I, like no. So what is the what is going on with these characters, right? I think that's part of the fun of the movie too. You know, I think Rutger Howard does the typical international terrorist. You know, I want this. I want people released. I want you know the the message spread across the media. But I don't know if it really is his goal, other than just to cause chaos and fear, because he's such a very dark person, right? And and that's evident when he's having a girlfriend as this whole thing is happening and storing shit in her apartment and faking a relationship with her just because he's he just wants to get get some of the action right Mm -hmm. i don't know if his message is more important than actually like what his demeanor is all the time and just that creepy motherfucker that is is, (laughs) you know is 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 involved in like terrorist plots and blowing things up and it's it is it's a fun ride i mean rutger howard does a great job of it and Stallone has to relearn and retrain himself as a police officer to be a counterterrorism officer, right? And that means taking more risks. Hey, if you have an opportunity to take this guy out, you got to take him out, right? Yeah, Whether but also it's... he's mad that he's just not a decoy anymore. Right. I think Billy D. Williams even says it at one point. He's like, we can stop someone who's going to kill hundreds of people per incident, right? Or we can go back to you putting on your varicose socks, and do that but this is the step up and you can see him fighting and i think between the two men i think it's that watching them make each other so much the focal point of all of this misery in their lives and i don't think they have any kind of greater mission it there there's a kind of hopelessness in this movie yeah for how funny it is it's really strange because like wolfgar he's going over there and one of the things you're like wait what terrorists think you're too crazy to be a terrorist Okay, that's a weird subplot. And when he goes to get the plastic surgery, this is one of my favorite moments. Because I always think Rutger Hauer is one of the best actors that he can do two things at once exceptionally well. And I love the menace when he just, he has the guy who like fish hooks the plastic surgeon. And he's like, I want to be beautiful. (laughs) And I was like, that's fucking perfect. And in that one moment, you know everything about this character. There's so much to unpackage there because... The first thing I thought of is I didn't even realize Rutger Hauer was in the first act of this movie because he looks completely (laughs) fucking different. And I actually wrote in my notes, like, not Hauer, not Rutger Hauer. And then right as we jumped on, I was like, hey, I don't see another build uh, actor as, uh, you know, Wolfgar. And it's like, no, that's that's Rutger Hauer. So we have a die another day plot synopsis going on here. Right. It's like, oh, I need to change my appearance because I need the the heat's on. Right. I got to I got to change it up. Yes. And. What's so great about that is that they, then they, they they curb it to Stallone, who apparently is a caricature artist as he's drawing like facial yeah, features of Rutger <laughs> Hauer, right? And you're thinking, oh, you know, this is just a clever way of transitioning to a scene. And then all of a sudden, they're in a fucking disco. 
right? So Rucker Howard's been in London. He's been blowing shit up, and now he's come to the states, right? Yeah. So you got a counterterrorism guy coming to Stallone, and the and the police and the the New York PD, and he's like, "You need to take this guy out. This is how we do this. We have to take no by no means necessary, right? Risk the fuck out of everything because this guy is going to kill a lot of people." Yeah. And uh, and then they go to a disco and they start, you know, trying to find <laughs> him out. And they find him, and he literally has this drawing with him and like erases facial features. He's like, if I <laughs> if I erase this line on his face, does that look like that guy? And yeah. that's how we transition to actually like the introduction of these two characters. Which what is an actual bizarre, scene, man. <laughs> bizarre. And I'm like, this just yeah. feels like dated, like for this time frame, because disco at this point is probably dead, right? In the 80s. And I'm like, why the fuck are we at a disco? This is crazy. Well, yeah, it also shows you the depths of Wolfgar again, right? That he's yeah. like He's like, Satanism is fine, but first I must disco duck. I must <laughs> point my finger in the air and then do this. this is I will important. destroy America's favorite pastime, John Travolta dancing. Yeah, <laughs> it's, just, it's fucking craziness, though. But that's that's what I really like, right? Because they do this motif a lot of the camera kind of pushing in on Stallone's eyes and on a picture of Wolfgar. Yeah, and yeah I explained I would, that it, scene. This scene is like yeah. 10 minutes long. They're going through the so entire long. fucking di- like dance floor with with a great song. Uh, I think it's um, brown. Is it Brown Sugar by uh, by um, Rolling Stones? So it's one of the Rolling Stones songs, but right. it's such a really cool montage of like searching through people and shit. It's great. Yeah, Rucker Howard's just getting worked on, and Stallone just I was like, stop getting closer closer and just staring at him slack jawed. I was like, the moment you even think it might be the global terrorist. How about a running tackle? Like, just or how about if drop kick his ass? If you're gonna be so cautious with your disguises for police work before this, <laughs> they certainly didn't disguise themselves because they're just like in big like coats and yeah. like grandfather sweaters and like you got the sunglasses. If I had aviators, I would have worn this, worn them for this. And he just like slowly goes about the crowd. I'm like, you're sticking out like a sore thumb. He's gonna yeah. see you, right? And yeah. inevitably does see them and then takes the fuck off, right? So it's just kind of like, a, well, what did you expect? He even does the old man move of, let me put my spectacles on. <laughs> and it's like, God damn it, Stallone. Yeah, because the first scene, he's all, you know, hot to trot for these criminals. I was like, just run over and fucking mug this guy. And yeah. again, this gets back to this weird time shift, right? Decades later, where the thought of a police officer being like, well, he might have killed 400 guys, but I'll take it real slow. I was like, this guy has like Carl Winslow level amounts of restraint. And I am so, <laughs> I am so happy you you mentioned Carl Winslow because I made a mention as we were taking notes and watching the movie. I find so many similarities to Die Hard here from multiple like renditions of the movie, right? Yeah. We have a cop versus a terrorist, right? Okay, that's pretty simple. But then we have a cop with a romantic issue, right? Because he he's he's too busy living the cop life and he can't translate that well to his actual relationship life. And then we have a uh, situation where you, you can't shoot, right? There is a plot point where it's like, he's got to take the shot, the shot, right? You got to take the shot. You can't worry about hitting a, an innocent person, right? And that comes up during this chase scene from the disco because we have an awesome moment where they're jumping from subway car to subway car and he's taking hostages and it's going through and it's it ends up with a great moment of they're close to him and then Billy D. Williams gets cut in the face like straight up just like sliced like joker and it is intense it is a great scene it's like a 20 minute chase scene it's awesome well that scene's really funny too because that's the moment where stallone's like i have been so reserved you shot a guy in the disco hostages are fine but you have 
maimed the beauty of Billy, of Billy D. Williams. Williams. How and dare like, you? Never! And it's like, now it's war. But yeah, I mean, that the diehard thing too is fun because it becomes this this high stakes terrorist versus cop game. But really what it is, is it's almost a comedy in disguise in a way. So a lot of the weird tonal shifts that this movie has play very much like Die Hard to me too. Um, John McClane in a dress would have been oh, way better though. So way good, better. that would have yeah. been so epic. Yeah, forget yeah, the for toes sure. scene in the carpet. No, put him a put a dress yeah. on. You know, make him do something different. I want him to see like, oh, I'm a hostage. Ha <laughs> ha! Yippee ki! Yeah, that last scene. It. Instead of duct tape, Dude. a dress would have been so much better. Right? So that much would have better. that would have thrown Hans Gruber off the building by itself he would have been yeah. like i'm jumping out this window yeah. don't stop me <laughs> this guy's not john wayne he's or john wayne gacy this guy's insane <laughs> but uh yeah no i think it's it is fun though right because i i like this this notion of there is this thing that stallone does a lot right and the disco is a great example if you are going out to the disco why not get your fucking uh leather face mask right get a dress on go dance or do something it there is this weird sabotaging of himself that Stallone is doing through this whole movie. Yeah. And it's really evident because, like, there's the one where he's dressed like a banker, right? And he's like, do-do-do, he's walking in the tunnel. And the other cops come in, and he starts, you know, motherfucking him. And the other cop's like, we don't like you, you glory hounds. And I was like, yeah, that's right. Like, those beat cops, the you know, the kind of keystone cops, chubby old guys, and these, like, you know, super cops that we've been following, they're going after the exact same criminal. Right. So Stallone's like, I am a super cop, but I'm essentially busting guys who are going to steal an old lady's purse. There becomes this weird, why Why is this character still here? Right? Because we find out later he's this amazing murder machine from Vietnam. So he has all these skills. He's in shape. He's really committed. Why is he the guy on the purse beat? Right? So there becomes this question of, you know, what what is Stallone's game here? Right? The because they also give Billy D. Williams one. This is one of my favorite moments in the film. Is at the start, they're like walking through back alleys and through roofs. The weirdest way to get to this apartment building that they ever could take. Everybody uses fire escapes in New York. Doesn't, doesn't everybody know that? Yeah, like, like, apparently that's how you get... <laughs> like, what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, people who have tons of drugs in their apartments, they don't need lookouts or anything. <laughs> like, oh, we never saw him coming from the stairs directly to our window. But that scene when he busts in and the, the drug dealer's like, what do you want, pig? How much? And you see the fucking rage in Billy D. Williams' eyes and he fucking butts him. But when he locks eyes with the little kid who looks like he's no more than, like, six to ten years old with his hands up and they just they are staring at each other right in this moment i thought that was really cool too trying to what did you make of where these two cops find themselves now well i think just the relationship between billy d williams and stallone is is really evident on screen and that going back to where he got sliced in the face right I think they, the movie got all of its F-bombs out in that one, like, 15 <laughs> seconds because Stallone's like, fuck you! Yeah. Just, like, super, super sad because him and Billy D. Williams' relationship is is what's integral to the, the plot of, of of Stallone, I think, trying to become something that he doesn't want to be at first and then realizes that it's necessary. And that moment in, in where he's holding the shotgun up to the, the, the criminal, right, and he sees that child, Stallone's like, it's not worth it. I mean, he's telling him, like, don't go there. Do not do that. And it's interesting because Stallone ends up trying to leave, like, the police force. He's like, I'm not going to do this, right? So Billy D. Williams kind of has to help him say, well, like, hey, you're going to do it anyway. You know, like, you're going to have to face facts and, and, and come back to us where you're going to take out the bad guy. And it's a yeah. really cool, like, Billy D. Williams kind of helps guide Stallone back and even just becomes the communication 
guy in the, in the later scenes where he's just kind of relaying back and forth. So yeah, I loved it. I love yeah. that relationship. I thought that was cool too, because yeah, he kind of, they, they're always helping each other. Right. Cause in that moment he pulls Billy D back. Right. And they kind of hint at both of their past. Like maybe there's stuff going on, like him being in Vietnam, right. And coming back to this trashy New York city. Maybe it's, you know, he's like, what is the fucking point of all this? And he, he like that job is what he lost his wife for. You know, it's so baffling. But to see him finally get pulled back in and begin to care about a mission again. And this becomes kind of the lever scene of the film, which is when Billy D. Williams is, you know, all bandaged up and in the hospital. Like, you'll be back. Yeah. You'll be back. It's fine. And he just goes, you should have taken that shot. Yeah. And you can see the weight because I think Stallone is such a better actor than people give him credit for. He's. He's really is a very talented actor beyond just the action guy. And that moment watching the weight of that sit upon this man, I thought it was really cool. Granted, I'm not like a huge proponent of, yeah, you should just start going guns blazing. I think it's kind of a, a cop thing that we've accepted in movies. And, you know, yeah. it's kind of spilled beyond it. It's not in as life, yeah. beautiful when you see it in real life. Yeah. and But in this movie, they've set Rutger Hauer up to where we're all kind of like, yeah, you should have fucking taken that shot. Yeah, why Why not, right? He had one lady yeah. like this, and his face was completely exposed, and yet Stallone's just like, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. I'm not going to I'm not gonna risk it. Right? But imagine this, though, too, because we watch him as, to your point, how many people had a chance to rush Rutger Hauer, Wolfgar, and never raised a hand to help? Nope. It's bystander syndrome yeah. and scared. Like, you know, people are just frightened, yes. and nobody wants to take that risk. Well, I mean, it's because I remember when all this was going on in our own terrorist moment in life, right? When 9-11 happened, I remember people being like, all they had were box cutters. Like, I would have kicked their ass. I'm like, yeah, you fucking say you would have. But, like, that has to be fucking horrifying to be like, fuck, I'm just, like, air commuting. And now people are getting sliced. So there is this, I imagine Stallone walking through and being like, I can hit this shot. We see him when he's mad after he gets admonished go hit that target and just blows a massive hole through the head of that target. I'm like, I think he got it, man. I think he could have yeah, taken so the shot. Yeah, so we know he could have taken the shot. Yeah. But maybe there's this Vietnam leftover, and then maybe this, why am I fucking fighting? There's reluctance When there. no there's one a, else is fighting. Yeah, there's a reluctance there. And yeah. I think that it's it's a really awesome moment because it, it comes to the very end where, where that's, that is resolved and finally... It's such a cool thing. This movie is an homage of itself because it's it ends as, as much as it starts, right? It just mm -hmm. ends in the same way, and it's great. Yeah, for sure. And that's, I think that becomes this important thing is we pull back from, you know, the police who thinks he's going to save the city and the terrorist who's, I, because Rutger Hauer's speech, when because that's the other thing, right? So as Stallone, why is he doing this? At the end when Wolfgar, you know, gets in this thing, right? I always I thought it'd be funny if we the first Rutger Hauer we see, like big face eye lens was Wolfgar, and then he's like, "You killed my brother. I'm Dolfgar." Right? <laughs> I'm like, Dolfgar. Yeah, that's what Rutger Hauer comes. I'm Dolfgar. I'm really mad. But when he gets on that air tram, mm -hmm. I thought that was such a cool scene too because it's mirroring this Stallone journey where you're not getting out of this. You know for a fucking fact you're not going to get out of this and you're not going to win. Right. Right. So what is the point? Is it just to come eye to eye with this, you know, drag cop and tell him to fuck off? And then they even ratchet it up a notch. One of the absolute coolest scenes in the movie is when he's like, I have an infant on. He wastes this lady. Yes. Her. Oh, just just kills her. Right. He's he literally goes in and he's he's in this air, this this tram, which I. I haven't seen a tram like that since Spider-Man. Yeah, never like, ever in my life would I ride one of those. Right, I was like, no, cool. 
but there's like 25 <laughs> people or whatever and he just gets in this tram with his with his compadre uh and literally just takes a hostage and shoots her to make a point and stallone is is uh cinematically and and, and uh i guess over the top which is not this film but he's over the top and he's in a helicopter watching this right so he's in a helicopter watching this he's going to to try to console or talk to him right and and he just shoots this lady and throws her off the tram to basically show i am not taking any shit like this is real i'm not i'm gonna kill people and there's an infant crying on board the tram so he has uh sylvester stallone come up it's like this really weird like uh i'm gonna be on a barge and then be lifted up into this tram car it's like a batman grappling hook line yeah yeah (laughs) And, and you just see like stallone just like being like lifted up right and apparently this is like one of the most dangerous stunts Stallone did because they didn't test it. And they just basically like, if he fell, that's a long fall. You're probably going to die if you hit the water oh, yeah. like that. It's like cement. Well, so, that was it. That was Owen Hart, right? They changed yeah, the harness exactly. and he fell like 60 feet and dead. Now imagine doing that outside in the, the elements. Yeah. So it's hundreds it's, of feet. <laughs> it's an intense scene, but it's a very well done because you feel claustrophobic in the tram. You feel lost outside of it. It's yeah it adds that element of just intensity and then obviously stallone gets the baby and he like lowers himself down now that is what i was gonna ask you was there any part of your mind that's like he's gonna fucking kill stallone right now and he's gonna kill that baby i thought it would have been an interesting spin if like he would have killed stallone and then billy d williams would have to like absolutely you know come in and save the day i thought for sure this was happening right because the the tram while on a narrative level right this terrorist plot doesn't make any sense it doesn't he what is he gaining what is he gaining from this yeah but what it becomes is it's this tiny little captive audience right like we had these black box theaters in la where you'd go watch actors do like one man shows and they're like i've got you now and they would go huge right they're like i'm gonna show you all my acting yes and that's what this scene is right because everything he says in that tram is fucking nonsense it is it is his demands are insane yeah yeah but not only that he's like i am a i'm a liberator i speak for those who don't have a voice it's like what the fuck are you talking and then stallone comes up on the cable like you said fully knowing he could die at any second and he goes tell these people right just this audience right that has no ability to affect what's happening they don't matter in the grand scheme of this story Tell them that I brought New York to its knees in fear and that the cops are cowards. Yeah. And so you're watching Wolfgar be exposed, right? So this is the real Wolfgar, just this this tiny little man who's trying so desperately to be this big, giant monster. And he's talking about, you know, how he needs the press. And so you watch this man, and, and you know in your mind that Wolfgar has to know how full of shit he is. And what would get more press than he called the cop up to grab the baby – and he fucking cut the cable. And to your point, because they had Billy D. Williams right there, and you start kind of doing the mental math, right? That little bit of meta game against the movie where you're like, you're like I know where this is going. Yeah. I know what's going to happen. I but this also, is you're happen. like, there's only like 20 minutes left. Billy D. Williams could get us home. Right. Like, we could just shoot this motherfucker from afar. <laughs> and I, I'm telling you, it, it's kind of like I read the Star Wars novels a lot, right? Sure, yeah. And they're, Which, they're well, really like fun. Wrath of, Wrath of Thrawn, like the Thrawn trilogy I've read. Yeah, actually, that's what I was rereading this year. And uh, the Bounty yeah. Hunter Wars. But any, I like them, but the problem inherent in Star Wars novels is that you know Luke Skywalker's not going to get killed. Right. Right? And so right. there is like, oh, this is thrilling. Well, kind of. Like, I knew he was going to like X-Wing away. Or whatever. Yeah. In this moment, this is one of those rare moments for a movie. The that safety net is like, gone. You it absolutely. Gone. Exactly. I really did not know and that's pretty rare for me i feel like i'm pretty good at knowing where the movie's going i was truly holding my breath 
not sure that they weren't going to kill Stallone and a baby because that's just the kind of movie this is. Uh, let me ask you another thing. When Wolfgar says, you go to a better life, I envy you. Oh, so you, dark. So perfect, though. But did you ever believe him? Does he believe that when he says it? No. And I, I think what's interesting, too, for me is that as you see him do this act of just terrorist, terrorism, terrorism, however you want to say it, it, it really kind of goes back down to what is he really doing? Like, what's his goal? Because he ends up saying, oh, I want political statements made in the papers. I want it on TV. I want political prisoners released. And he just like spouts off a bunch of names. And he's like, and I wanted it by 10 p.m. And you would assume that it's probably midday at that point. So it's like, it's almost like a doomed venture. And he knows mm -hmm. that. But it's a weird way of like him. He, he's trying to fill the role of the terrorist. And, and Stallone is trying to fill the role of the cop that he needs to be. So it's kind of a really weird juxtaposition of the of the character arcs. And yeah. uh yeah, and it's just a very weird like I don't I don't really know what his goal is besides just this is the last hurrah, right? Yeah, well cuz it's weird cuz you would say his main mission in this movie is to get all the pussy he can. Right? And he's right? doing like, that. Yeah. And it seems like he's pretty good at that and you're like, but he doesn't use the terrorism. There's that great moment when the lady's like, "What do you do?" and he's like, "I'm an international terrorist and a lady killer." And he's so charming. She's like, oh, oh, oh. that's so and perfect. Like, I'm looking no! for Oh, yeah. Like, oh, my God. But that's what. So you're like, what is his whole thing is just to become greater than thou. Right. He creates this mythical character, Wolfgar. Right. Is this the best way to do that? And I think what becomes funny is because at the end, there's all these insane things. Like when Stallone's just for no reason, like, give me a tape recorder with the dead yeah, Mentor's that was like voice. out of left field, and then all of a sudden you're gonna confuse yeah. him on that. Like very and the straight. lady <laughs> the lady hears it and is just like ah! for no reason, <laughs> just gets mad and then gets shot and it like anarchy breaks out, right? Yeah. But I think what becomes funny is when him and Stallone finally come face to face, they're just these these avatars for the uselessness of the world in general, right? Yeah. Like you're fighting to save it, you're fighting to bring it to its knees. And these people still got on the tram in the morning. The world is going to keep going on. Your fucking false missions don't matter. There's a real kind of subtext of, hey, maybe be nice to your wife. Maybe take yeah. a second. Be okay with, like, having a kid. Like, the world's going to keep spinning without – because I, I think that's one of the fun things this movie does is with the, you know, oh, we're adding plastic surgery and disco and all these weird things. The movie's inherently telling us that this is not a high-stakes game. Whereas every other cop movie you watch, they are playing it to the bone, right? Right. This is life and death. And this movie kind of has the built-in subplot of, yeah, everything's life and death. Yeah. It's like, real, right? Yeah. This is this is something that can happen because a lot of times in these situations, if there is a tram that's taken over as a hostage as a political statement, there really is no end game for them, right? You know what I mean? Like there really is no purpose of that besides just to spread fear. Yeah. And, you know, when he is able to transition from the tram by rounding up all of the hostages in a circle around him and his his com, uh, compadre. And all of a sudden, like, the compadre is just shot because of a random occurrence of a recording that Stallone somehow she found. She gets so mad for no reason. And just, obviously, the Millie <laughs> Williams comes in with a sniper shot and takes Hell her yeah. out. And then uh, Rucker Howard escapes on the bus that is there to pick them up because he wanted Stallone to drive him to the airport, which you know was never going to happen. Yeah. And then we have an amazing bus in the ocean or bus in the Potomac scene where it's just full on, you know, full metal right into the water and somehow Rucker Howard escapes. And it's just... Now, this was brilliant because I thought the movie was over. I did right? too. I thought what they were going to do was this like question mark ending where it's like, you know, we can't find Wolfgar and they're like, he's gone. He's, he's the rivers now. 
And so we're going to be left as an audience like there will always be a Wolfgar. And we'll always need these cops, right? These good guys. And then the movie just is like, just for fun on the way out, we are going to give you one of the all-time greatest endings in the history of movies. Do you remember how this movie started? Yeah. Well, if you do, here's what we're giving you. Did you have a screenplay book? that talks about book ending because this is it this is the book ending for sure <laughs> but it's such a baffling so you have to lay this out because I, I watched it and i was just like this is too fucking good this is all time stuff and then like 20 minutes after the movie you're like but wait wait a sec hold on <laughs> so you're what like just happened yeah he's down at the river also right he's probably got some paperwork from everything that's gone on today and he's like no i've got a hot tail because as we find out i'm starting to see through this son of a bitch's eyes right I got to hightail it to my ex-wife's. He's got to swim and get there. So I have a bit of an advantage. So you're like the time window on, hey, ex-wife, I know we're not that cool. Give me your biggest nighty. Get out of the house. And I'm going to start cooking. And if I'm not mistaken, when he turns around, the gun is in some kind of Ziploc yeah. bag. It's almost like in a casserole or something <laughs> so he's ridiculous. He's like stirring casserole with the gun. And, I, <sighs> and it's one of those things you're like, how long... Was he planning on living like this? Because what if Rutger Hauer gets out and he's like, oh, fuck today. I need a rest. I will say that, like, the, way how that long? It, the way that it's filmed is perfect because you really have. I mean, obviously, when it happens, you're like, oh, yeah, I always knew that was going to happen. But I, I actually didn't. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't know yeah. at the beginning. I should have. I should have. And I, I should have. I was like, this movie's that clever. <laughs> but that's like one of the greatest breaking and entering scenes I've ever seen where it's like it's so maniacal and like quiet. But he's like busting open a door, right? And he's getting so close to what you think is the ex-wife. And all of a sudden it's surprise, motherfucker, boom! Like just an- annihilates Howard. And that's, you know, when he actually got pulled back and that was the first the first scene that they shot. So yeah. imagine going from that and then filming the rest of the movie. Just fucking incredible. smacked into that wrought iron fence. Incredible. And then uh, the movie just <laughs> abruptly ends with yeah. Stallone thinking on a sidewalk, right? Yeah, he I'm doesn't even like, give him, like, a chill. Nothing. Yeah. Just, but th- there's so much I love about that tag, right? Because it does feel wildly unnecessary. But it just, it's fun, man. And that's what this movie always breaks back to. But I love that, because what it does, too, is it shows Wolfgar, if we needed even more reinforcement, this is him, All this is the open nerve now, right? Yeah. That this is he's just going to kill this guy's ex-wife. This isn't helping any of the people he's fighting for, air quotes or anything. It's just this absolutely maniacal, crazed eyes killer. And it also it, it just is a really good horror movie scene. Yeah. That's your fucking absolute nightmare. What if someone just fucking came in? And, you know, when Stallone turns, it's it's inadvertently just one of the funniest shots. In the movie. <laughs> yeah, it's just and like... I, I love Stallone and he is a bad motherfucker, but there's something about his face when it's not, well, almost even when it's moving or when it's an extreme action, like over the top, he has a very laugh addable face. I don't know why. And it just, it's, it's weird. Cause that scene shouldn't work and we should be roasting it for all time. But to me, it, it, it elevates it so much. <laughs> that's why I'm saying you gotta you gotta put in an effort. And Stallone really cared about this role, yes. and that's why it works. There are so many ridiculous, audacious things this movie tries and accomplishes. No problem. Yeah. Stallone and drag twice, twice, twice he's gonna do it, and it's yeah. it's it's magnificent. It's beautiful, and I love the POV shot at the end too, because the movie doesn't do I don't think any other POV shots, but one of them is 
Wolfgar stumbling back through the house. Just and I love the idea of this terrorist who has these, you know, delusions of grandeur, right? And so he his eyes, the close-up on his eyes, right, to match back to when Stallone was looking at the picture, and their eyes are both in close-up. And you see Wolfgar just like, are you fucking kidding me? This is how it goes down for me. And what, to see that man who thinks so highly of himself, the POV of him falling backward, and you just see Stallone in that nighty with the wig, not even like put on well, like his that back. That was his <laughs> last image of his yeah. life, you know? That's like, your la- this was your grandiose mission. This is how it goes. It was- this is your political statement. Yeah, Stallone it's fucking brilliant. It's yeah. just, because that's going to be this obituary. Police officer and wife's nighty murders pussy terrorist. So when this ended, <laughs> I was like, I want more. Right. So yes. I started watching like Cobra and this, yeah. I got to tell you, this is peak Stallone, right? Everything from Absolutely. this point becomes either the Rocky movies where he's got to be ridiculous and fight, you know, you, the USSR or it's Cobra where he's doing one liner, one liner, one liner, right? This is really peak Stallone for me where he's got that Rocky, that Rocky for me will be the best. Uh, it's an Academy Award winning movie, I believe for a reason it is. If you don't like sports, it doesn't matter. That movie works regardless of who you are. This movie for me is like Stallone is going above and beyond getting involved in the production, getting involved in and potentially, you know, uh, decision-making skills with a script and it works. And then everything from this point, I just feels just like a, you know, judge dread or yeah. uh, Cobra. It just seems much more, there's no soul to it. And this one really did have a soul. Yeah. And I think that's the alternate path, right? Like what if Stallone hadn't become the eighties action icon, but he was just the guy who was in this. Yeah. And all of these kind of weird thrillers of the age, right? Um, and yeah, because I, I think that Rocky, I think, will always be the best Stallone ever was. Because I feel like when he wrote that, it's the most, he's just writing himself, right? Yeah, he wrote this exactly. Ultra you believe personal, he is Rocky. Yeah. Yeah. And it's his journey, his fight to be someone, right? And Hollywood mirrored. It's just this perfect, he couldn't have had a better role for himself. But this one is him going outside of what he normally does a little bit, right? This. Because I feel like in all his other movies, right? Like, I adore Over the Top is probably my favorite Stallone movie. It's not probably everyone's popular choice. But it's just so fucking fun, right? Yeah. And that one, he's just doing this kind of caricature of that guy, right? Basically, just pay me $25 million to do one role and I'll do it, right? Like, that's basically what happened. and be a badass and deliver some snappy, like, I got it figured out, right? This one, he's kind of the the cop who doesn't believe. Every other one, there's a a built-in thing with 80s action movies where it's like they're so buff. And they work out so hard that they just always have to somewhat believe they can win. Right. This is one of the only movies I've seen with Stallone where he just assumes it doesn't matter if he wins. Right. He feels like he just is running around just hitting people out of like useless rage rather than, you know, on this great hero's quest. He's a part of the system, but the system has to be questioned. Right. Yeah. Yes, exactly. What's the fucking point of any of this? Right. And I, I think Stallone is so fucking underrated as an actor. I think he's great. I still think Billy D. Williams should have been in the dress. That's just. I think I wanted more Billy D. Williams. He's great in this role, but I wanted more, you know? Yeah. Well, there's a version where you could have switched it where he was kind of the lead and Stallone's the, you know, rah, rah, we got to stick with it. And actually, if if I was casting it, that's how I would have seen it. Flip flop. So it's kind of cool that it became this version. But yeah, I think the other way could have worked too. All right, Blake, if you want to write a final love letter to Nighthawks, right? A final sales pitch, right? Always be closing. Go. <laughs> the funny version is if you want to see Stallone and Drag twice, watch this movie. Twice, uh, yeah. <laughs> the real one is, uh, oh, Nighthawks, God, you are so great. And it's it's pinnacle. 
it's a pinnacle 80s movie it's like a, it's a timeless movie because it's it was made in the late 70s and released in the early 80s but it doesn't it just feels like it's a somewhat of a capsule of both so it's i don't know if you really like action movies if you like crime thrillers it's it's rucker howard's first u.s movie right watch this fucking thing it's amazing so what was your takeaway yeah so what i will remember most about nighthawks is is one i think it's this awesome kind of nile i always love the man who realizes his quest is kind of useless but still fights the fight right i like that noble creed um i like the duality of this movie that while it is this kind of serious battle between these two men it's so fucking strange right i love any movie especially one like this where you can imagine that everyone's like this is a serious film and then they just make these decisions that are so out of nowhere that it becomes insane and memorable yet the buy one get one uh stallone and drag is classic but yeah, I just I just think it's just great actors just really going for it, like you said. That's how I always remember this movie. Yeah, it's a great script. Great, even though it it shouldn't have worked. The two direct like a director leaves, a director comes in. Stallone's really involved in the production. You could have this could have gone so many ways wrong. Yeah, it just never does. It just always yeah. elevates itself. And it's really streamlined. It doesn't feel clunky, right? Like it doesn't great. feel like yeah. it's like two different movies pieced together. It's really fucking good, man. And we barely talked about it, but the music in this oh, is phenomenal. killer. Fucking killer music going on during this movie. Uh, yeah, I just love some of those, like, duh, duh. Like, it's just fucking great, man. If you, uh, you know, what, as soon as this movie ended, I was like, is there a sequel? Which there is none. But Stallone did say last year, May 2020, that there is a TV reboot coming and it will be on Peacock. So maybe we're going to get some more fucking Nighthawks as a reboot as a tv show that's kind of amazing i wonder if they can recapture the magic i just want stallone to drag again is that is that too much yes to ask? that's what the mrs doubtfire version yes stallone is mrs doubtfire yes <laughs> mrs doubt i always fire <laughs> that's mrs one, doubt yeah. don't fire don't shoot <laughs> i didn't sign up to fire no uh all right blake one more time thank you again for joining us tell the people where they can find your work you can find me on twitch.tv slash junk food cinema on Thursday nights at 8 p.m. Central Time. You can also find me on the Replay Review podcast, which is a part of the Junk Food Cinema universe, which is at patreon.com slash junk food cinema. You can subscribe for as low as a dollar an episode. Become part of gr- both great communities at Film Alchemist and Junk Food Cinema. You, you can never have enough movies, okay? So you got to join true. both. Yeah. yeah, and Brian was gracious enough to let me come over. You guys have one of the best online communities I've ever been a part of. And I think it starts with you and Brian. You guys are kick-ass. I love you guys very much. Thank you for making the time, and fucking thank you so much for picking Nighthawks. No problem. Thank you for having me. This has been a blast. Absolutely. And you will be back. I promise, listeners, we'll have Blake back. Uh, And we'll try to wrangle his brother, too. Absolutely. Let's do it. All right, guys. Peace.